0: Welcome to the Locksportcast, your weekly source for Locksport news and sometimes interviews like this one. Today's episode is a conversation with Diggs, recorded August 3rd, 2021. I'm your host, Charles Current. You can subscribe to the audio version of the show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. If you don't already have one, you can find a podcasting 2.0 compatible app at newpodcastapps.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube, Odyssey, and on most of your podcasting apps as well now. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. YouTube and some apps limit the length of show notes and links. But you can always find full show notes with links at thelocksportscast.com. You can find video clips of some of the stories discussed on our Clips YouTube channel. Links will be in the show notes. Before we get started, I'd like to say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. Those would be the Patreon subscribers. We have Meddler, PandaFrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starrylock, WilliamsBrain, dave be deciphered, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, PHPicker, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Cherelle, Patty Cakes, Mog, John Locke, RatYoke, and Mr. Picker. Thank you, thank you to all of you. You really help keep this show going by paying the bills, and I really, really appreciate it. Of course, I would also like to thank today's guest, Diggs. Diggs is a U.S. Navy chief, a mod on the lock Pickers United Discord, a black belt picker, owner of digbylockandtool.com, and he also has designed and made his own lock from scratch. It's called the Alpha, and it is the main subject of today's conversation. So with that, here is the conversation with Diggs. well why don't we just get right into it and my usual first question how did you first get into locksport what made you decide to start picking locks um
1: yeah so for me it was a it was a military thing um got some isolation training and part of that was a guy uh, demonstrating how to get free from handcuffs and zip ties and other sort of restraints you might be put into and as soon as i saw that guy break out of handcuffs uh it took him like three seconds behind the back i was like i have to learn how to do that so i you know i rushed home at the end of that day hopped on the amazon got myself a pair of real handcuffs and uh started researching and that like stream of research Turned from handcuffs into, you know, how do I get through a house lock? How do I get through a car lock? How do I get through this and that? Um, And back then it was um, Bosnian Bill was the king of YouTube. Uh, But shortly thereafter, I found Tumblr and the the Reddit, the subreddit and the Discord. And I realized just how deep of a pool of knowledge it was, which is awesome for me because I love, you know, diving into diving into hobbies and finding that there's. Lots to experience. Um, so, yeah, it, it went from I saw a guy break out of handcuffs to I'm trying to pick high security locks in a matter of, I don't know, a week and a half. Like I, I tried to jump from, a, jump from the American 1100 straight to a brand new buy lock from Security Snobs, and it put oh, wow. me in my place real quick. Um, but, yeah, it's been fun, the, the whole journey. I've you know I've been hanging around the Discord on and off for oh three years, a little over three years now, and um, so that's really what really got me into it. Once I once I found the guys in the Discord and uh, found Tumblr's channel and uh, started talking to people that really did pick high security locks all the time and could prove it and could show me how. I was like, okay, well, anything is possible, right? Um, so then it was just, let me see how many I can get my hands on. And I wound up sidestepping a bunch of them. Uh, you know, if it was, if it took me more than a day, then I would move on to the next one. And I wound up, um, I think I went white to black in like four months. Wow. And hell, I, you know, that was, you know because most people will like they'll fixate on the one lock and they'll stay there but i just was like no nope, this is too hard i'm going to do something else and so i'd find another one uh which some would consider cheating but uh any Hoosley what's it that um that record stood until snow and then somebody briefly after snow took it from him <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh it was it was refreshing to see somebody finally like yeah i got it in 3 months and 3 weeks or whatever so yeah
0: Snow is pretty amazing yeah he is he's pretty good <laughs> pretty impressive, so I guess the main reason we're here is the alpha lock right that's what you're calling it alpha yeah so how did how did that idea start what what brought about the idea of making your own lock well, it's sort of
1: been uh, a cascade of attempts right so there's Got into, got into picking. I enjoyed that. I went to, uh, you know, got the black belt and rather than quit, uh, I sort of shifted my attention to, um, what else can we do? Right. And there's sort of the perennial, uh, conversation about this YouTube channel or that YouTube channel. Um, and so I tried to make one for lock pickers United. I did want to make one for it. Um, and tried to bring everybody in and said, you know, we've got 20 different content creators. We could keep this thing going all day. But what I didn't realize is that the heavy lifting of editing that many videos a week is a full time job. So it, it burned me out. It burned CJ out, it burned everybody out. Uh, and really, the only, the champion of that channel these days is Op Amp. He's been taking in people's content and editing it and posting it on that YouTube channel for months now um over a year i think so big shout out to OpAMP for keeping that going and uh for anybody listening if you're interested in sending any content into lpu uh, please do that because that the point of that channel is to spread knowledge it's, it's not about ads it's not about making money it's not about uh fame for any one person it's just uh this is high security picking this is what it really looks like these are what the locks have in them that sort of stuff so uh quick plug there but <laughs> so yeah was, I I did the picking bit I left LPU for about 5 6 months took a break when I came back I was like all right we're going to make the the YouTube channel that matters right we'll we'll do the boring version and put the information out there uh and after a few months of doing Five videos a week, uh, everybody was burnt out. took another break, uh, and when I came back the next time, I sort of decided all right well what 's next in the in the progression like this this pool i haven 't hit the bottom of this pool yet, so where 's the bottom? Uh, I started trying to make tools uh, and the machinery I bought for that was substandard at best, uh, so that didn 't go very well. <clears throat> Uh, bought a little little metal lathe and tried to make uh, solid steel dimples, uh, dimple tools, which was sort of silly of me. Looking back now, it's laughable, but I didn't know anything about making anything um, like properly with machines. So tried and failed that. And then um, for some reason, I decided that I wanted to, to do a stream on uh, what it really takes to get through. Uh, series from white to black. So I did a stream on our channel and just suffered uh, on live camera for <laughs> I don't know. I think it wound up being something like sixteen hours of film of me just struggling. Oh, wow! So there's like four four or five sessions, and you know I go white to purple. I think in the first in the first video, and then it's a brown video, and then it's a red video, and then it's like two full on four hour sessions of a uh, Amiwa. Um,
0: which Miwo did you work on
1: it was oh, what is the name of that one? It's just numbers I want to say thirty four hundred some it's, it's a got magnetic sliders in it and some top pins oh. i I can't remember what the what the actual number is for it though I want to say thirty four hundred is right, but somebody out there will, will know um yeah, so I did that sort of on a whim and then i realized okay if this is going to be a proper gauntlet i got to do another quest and i had never done make a lock from scratch and it's the most daunting for sure uh at least in my book i think it's the most challenging so i started trying to make one with my cheap lathe out of pewter because that's the only metal that i knew i could safely cut and get on dimension and then about halfway through that I realized that if I wanted to make it any sort of fancy at all that I didn't, I needed a mill to be able to do uh, cuts that a lathe can't. And that's when I just jumped off the deep end and said, okay, I'm going to go get a real mill and I'm going to make a real lock and it's not going to be pewter. It's going to be brass. Um, so I ordered a mill and all the tools took on some debt and um uh, started going after making a wafer lock a high security wafer lock and it took me about i don't know 2 months or so to realize that it just wasn't going to fit inside a standard american mortise and that was the goal right so the day i realized that i said okay i need to stop i need to take a step back and try and make something easier so my first thought was What's been around forever, you know, old lever locks. So I'm going to try and make an old lever lock. That's that seems way more achievable, uh, and it's way more mill friendly because most of the components are flat, right? So you don't have uh, lots of rounded things. Uh, and so I started designing one uh, in November of last year, and it took me. Well, it's not. It's I can't even really say that it's done. But it took me about nine months to get something that was functional uh, and acceptable to me. Um, because once I had the, the format there, I realized it's not. I talked to Samurai about it in the Discord. He's like, that's not a lever lock because the things don't pivot. They slide. So that's why I have to tell everybody it's a lever styled wafer lock. Um, and he's right. So um, But yeah, so what I wound up with is um, what should have been a simple lock that got overcomplicated by my brain. So every time I looked at it, I was like, well, you could just pick it like this, and I put a new thing there. But you could just get around (laughs) it like this, and then I put a new thing there, or I changed a feature. Um, And so I'm, I don't know, probably 200 iterations deep at this point on design changes. Um, And the thing is, I know, I know for a fact that as soon as I put this out in the hands of all the black belts and the rest of the, the community, they're just going to eat it alive. So my hope is that it's annoying. It takes more than a couple of days for somebody to pick it uh, and that they have fun doing it, which is the whole point. Right. Um, so a very long, long winded way of saying my hope for the alpha is, is uh my hope for my company in general, which is to produce locks that uh, range from really fun to pick to difficult to pick and are original and different. You know, there's, there's a lot of the same out there. I think people, a lot of companies are just like, well, they're doing that and it works. So let's keep doing that, but cheaper. Um, and that's not what I want to do. I don't, I want to make original mechanisms that make you think.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of lock companies do, uh, let's do it either the same and cheaper or let's put just enough of a twist on it that we can patent it. Sure. And, but they're basically the same mechanisms we've been using for decades or hundreds of years in some cases. So exactly. Miwa, Miwa's one of the ones that has a lot of interesting, and was it Fashe or how you pronounce them? Yeah. So those, those two are impressive.
1: Yeah. Those old, the old, um, French companies have some really uh not only are they interesting mechanisms, but they're just beautiful locks, right? So that's that's part of the balance that I'm trying to strike too is um it's different enough that you can call it its own thing. And it also is nice to look at, you know, like it has some style to it. It's not just a flat blade key with, you know, some cuts in it,
0: which is the standard. So. Yeah, so so the alpha is completely brass. I mean, I've I haven't seen it broken apart in pieces. But it's ninety nine point nine
1: percent brass. The springs are not because okay. uh, the way it played out is that uh, brass springs are super annoying. So I said, I've I've got to get this out there. I'm just going to use steel springs because they will last. I wanted to make it a hundred percent brass. I just couldn't get there.
0: Yeah, that, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody make true brass springs that that function well and last. But
1: yeah, it's doable. Uh, I think they're, but I, I think you're right. I don't think they're true brass. I think they're bronze of some kind. Um, I could be wrong there too. But generally, what you see is at least in the old lever locks, they have just a flat, um, a flat length of it that is brazed into one section of Uh, each lever and then it's just sort of positioned against something so it can't move
0: on the on the far end Um, but the way that i set this lock up that's just not possible so so your what would be levers slide instead of pivoting is that the idea yeah like a wafer would
1: yeah so instead of like in a lever lock if you put the you put the key in and turn it a couple of things happen simultaneously, like you're positioning levers to the correct degree of rotation, and you're also uh, typically moving the bolt through the rotation. Um, and the difference in this lock, at least the primary difference, is that when you turn the key, you're not rotating any components. You're moving them, you're sliding them. So you slide the wafers, and then the whole bolt slides. So when you rotate, it doesn't tension anything. Hmm.
0: Now I really want to see the guts. But <laughs> yep. um, I think you've already answered quite a few of my questions in that one thing there. So how did you come up with the name Alpha? What is there any special meaning to it? Uh, It's a little bit of laziness and a one? little
1: bit of flavor at the same time. Um, you know, any, any sort of endeavor where you intend to make Uh, a series of different things you want a predictable and followable system right so uh, alphanumeric makes a whole lot of sense people use that very typically and um, so originally the idea i thought i thought it would be kind of fun to just use the greek letters alpha beta and so on Um, and i strayed away from that because i realized one that the greek alphabet doesn't have 26 characters and I do plan on making at least 26 locks. Um, and two, I already have a, an alphabet that I can use that's a little more, um, I don't know, I can't say it belongs to me, but one that I've been using for years, right? Which is the phonetic alphabet. So right. instead of alpha beta, it'll be alpha, bravo, charlie, delta, echo, foxtrot, so on and so on.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. Different enough to... I wasn't sure on the Alpha if you we were going for, like, the Greek or not. Yeah. A lot of people
1: think that, and I let them think that. But the next one will be Bravo.
0: Nice. I actually like that. So, when do you officially plan to release the lock? I think it's... Pro- you said something about pre-orders on the 4th?
1: Yep. That's slated to launch tomorrow, um, as of this recording. But... um I'm constantly battling tolerances, right? So I'm going to release pre-orders tomorrow because I, I've moved my deadline several times and I'm just done moving it. Um, that being said, I still have one dimension of my wafers that I'm tweaking. Um, and I feel okay with the position that I'm at to say it's done, I can release it. I've built a functional prototype, but um in the last round i tried to add a little bit of aesthetics to it you know like the whole time it's just been uh form uh just been function rather and and no real consideration of form uh and so this last round of changes i tried to put add some curves to it make it look um i don't know more pleasant to look at you know take a take a sort of clue from the old french locks that just have they have some style to them you know Um, so I, I added some curves in, had to change some dimensions and the most important thing that anybody should know if they ever want to design a lock is that if you make it where, hmm, it doesn't matter how you do it. If you change a a critical component, every other component's going to change. It just, it is a landslide through everything. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's make it look a little nicer. And that resulted in changing seven components. (laughs) So, uh, you know, that means, uh, tweaking the programs again, making sure that they're going to come out right every time. And, uh, I'm down to the last part in the last dimension. It's just a little too wide. So, um, so yeah, long, the long way of saying basically it's going to get pre-orders to be released tomorrow. And I'm going to just use the pictures that I've been taking of it as I go because the outside hasn't changed, right? Like the, the case of it, the key of it hasn't changed. Um, and really the function of the lock hasn't changed. But what I haven't been able to do is say, this is the finished lock with all the intended um, function and design changes functioning. Here's a video, like watch it operate. Uh, it's going to take me a couple more days. So, uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't foresee that being an issue. Uh, most of the people that are actually going to buy from me already know and have been asking to give me money for months now. So, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't foresee this being a huge production run where I'm making a thousand of them. Um, at best, I might sell 200, and that would be great because it'll put me in a really good position to do two things: which is design the next model and. Um, Sort of invite the community, all the people that have bought one, and even the people that haven't, once they see it on video, to uh, engage with that lock and say, you know, this really could be better. Like this curtain, that, that you could just add a bit of geometry here, and it would work ten times better. And I know that that's going to happen because I know the people in this Discord and the subreddit, uh, and half of them are geniuses. They're you know, they're very focused, very uh, very interesting people. So. Yeah, that's my grand hope for it is, you know, I sell sell one or two hundred of them, make this production run, uh, get the opportunity to sort of host a contest like World First is going to get a prize. Um, still working on that. I'm thinking pure silver key because that's neat to me uh, and isn't ex- so expensive that I can't make it happen. Um, but yeah, if I really, nice. you know, if I can't fit it into my machining time, then maybe just a cash prize like. Here's 5% of the profit, you know, uh, but yeah, it's one of my favorite things that a lot of companies ever done and, and nobody really does it anymore. So I, I want to sort of bring that back even in a limited capacity because I'm not uh, making a ton of money, um, but yeah, so it'll be release world first. It'll happen probably in the first couple of days, I would think. Uh, and then that person will get a prize, And then I'm really hoping for like a just a wave of feedback, like this is terrible. This could be better. Um, This is cool, but why don't you change it to this? And then once I have all of that input alongside uh, finishing Bravo, I can I can take those changes into consideration, remodel alpha. And then um, I'm going to put it through a second filter, which is all the locksmiths that hang out and say, what would it take to make this? Um, viable for installation in a door you know what's what 's the industry standard for and i 've started these conversations but what 's the industry standard for let 's say a full a full mortise lock in a door? what are the dimensions what are the existing uh, like generic hardware strike plates all that so that I can match this thing to that um, and then my my vision for it is that it'll become a truly nasty lock uh, with everyone's input. And uh, my intention is to switch from brass to steel, which will allow me to effectively double the elements inside of it and make it truly a, uh, truly a nightmare to pick blind. So that's sort of like the, you know, five, 10 year plan is turn this thing into a monster, make it out of steel and then sell it to the world.
0: Could be interesting. I don't. Do we use many mortise locks here? I haven't really seen any in a long time.
1: Yeah, they're not. They're not nearly as common as you know a mortise cylinder is these, these days. Um, but they fit pretty well in solid wood doors. So if you're looking at um, larger building complexes, you're looking at uh, really nice houses, um, you will see them. So it's it's more it sort of depends on the region. That's how it goes, um, and who who dominates that region. But uh, Schleg makes a lot of them and sells a lot of them. So I actually didn't know
0: that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they're and again, I they are very very uncommon though. As far as like the the entire country of America, you're not going to see a ton of them. It's mostly mortises and rims, mortise cylinders, but. It's a lot harder to fit something um evil inside of that form factor. I'll tell you that much.
0: yeah, you have to have a lot better tolerances, small machining to get something in a traditional cylinder
1: yeah you're also you're just unable to make the components as strong as i as I would like. Um, you know you see most of these locks they have six six or seven pins in them and then they've got you know either sliders or finger pins or something else going on on the sides of the bottom and what you wind up with because you're limiting yourself to that format is uh a lock that even not a steel is just weaker because it's got so many holes in it and all the components are so small even though they're steel they're very small so um while it it does pretty well at defeating brute force, it's not going to defeat drilling. It's not going to be a pain to drill. Whereas, uh, you know, a full mortise body, where are you going to drill is the question. Like, and if you drill out the center, is that going to do anything? And this lock, the answer is no. So you would have to know exactly where to drill, which is kind of the point, right? You want that to be a, a locksmith secret, Um you know, so at least somewhat guarded. So if somebody comes up to it, they don't get through it in the first 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, that's something a lot of us in the Locksport world don't don't focus on, that destructive entry mm-hmm. in the real world is a, is a, is a serious concern.
1: That's a real thing, yeah. It, it sort of bridges over into uh, almost how you would think about designing a safe, right? Because when it's a, a criminal versus a safe, you know that they have to drill it. So the question is, how well can you hide the things that they need to hit? And how well can you protect them with other locking systems? So uh, kind of stole a little aspect of that uh, just for the, the practical world application side of it. But right now, it's, it's practical for nothing. Like, the, the form factor of Alpha right now is, like, it's a, it's a rectangle. Like, you could, you could potentially mount it in, uh, like, a fancy trunk, which was a, one of my early ideas. Uh, like an old style wooden trunk. I thought that would be neat to have a, an old style key for it. Um, you could use it on an internal door if you really wanted to, but right now it's not prepared to be your house lock. Let's say, um, that being said, it's not that far off either. So once I have a better idea of what I'm going to do to improve the mechanism, then that's going to come along with it in the second round.
0: So do you have a proposed price on the pre-order? Yeah, I've been
1: trying really hard to to keep it at 125. Um, that's what I've been telling people for months now. And I think even if brass prices kind of force me up a little bit, I might just take that hit because uh, I hate the bait and switch, right? It's more important for me to be able to say, like, I was aiming at this and I hit it than it is for me to say, I've got that extra, you know, couple thousand dollars so um and that being said i really don't know how many i sell so (laughs) at the end of the day uh i think 125 is is more it's more approachable than 150 let's say or higher um so obviously
0: now i get that but at the same time you have to value your work you've put a lot of work into this and you've bought some expensive equipment to do it sure so yeah, it's
1: I don't know, it's a struggle for me. Um
0: it is for a lot of us. We have a very different mindset than a lot of the the usual business types. Yeah. I mean, and I've seen that the the comments and how much time you've been working on this. So
1: yeah. It's it's eaten much of my life for the last year. Uh August 4th tomorrow is the the anniversary of that that mill showing up my garage so that's why i chose it as a release date and that's why i'm sort of stuck on not moving it um yeah i don't you know i didn't know anything about milling before i got it uh i knew what uh, you know a couple weeks of youtube videos can
0: teach you and uh i went into it well unprepared let's say
1: i had no idea um just how complicated machining can be and man i i feel like i've learned a book's worth of information in the last year from just from trial and error like after the first couple of months of watching youtube videos and trying to take people's feeds and speeds and stuff i realized like this is never going to work long term i have to actually figure out how to do this Um, and some of the guys in the discord have been really helpful with that uh just point me in the right direction, showing me what a what a decent tool looks like, you know,
0: who I could buy from. Um Yeah. Yep. I don't know. We have some experienced machining people in there, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um
1: most for the most part they're amateurs, but there are a few professionals. Um uh not sure or no su or however you want to say his name. Uh albeit crass has has been very helpful to me uh at a couple of critical moments you know like uh, i first I spent that first couple of months just making pinning trays i was like that's an easy thing i can I can knock that right out, and that'll teach me how to use my tools and this and that and boy, was I wrong <laughs> I just <laughs> sat down and uh, tried to make some, tried to make some aluminum trays, and they were just coming out like garbage i I went through. I must've ruined 50 of them before I finally got one. I was okay with selling. Um, so that's another lesson that's <clears throat> worth putting out there for anybody listening that's thinking about this path prototype and something other than the metal that you're choosing to use uh, because you will waste a bunch of money doing it. Like the number of just uh, either ruined or incorrect Incorrectly dimensioned alpha parts laying around my house in brass is absurd. Uh, oh, wow. I had uh, a couple of buddies up from uh, Portland for a, a Locksport meetup not that long ago, and just I was like, Here you go, you can have this shuttle because I don't want it, <laughs> I don't want to look at it. Uh, so, wasted you know, 20 something dollars worth of brass. It's a, it's a fairly large component. So,
0: what's uh, is there a good price on scrap brass so you could maybe resell some of your mistakes as scrap
1: yeah i haven't uh i haven't bothered to do that work yet i'm saving most of my brass i i actually have sold uh just a bunch of ruined pieces uh to people because they wanted them for some reason um you know like half finished trays like i had <laughs> I had one where it was like two two micro trays, but there was still like brass connecting them and there was damage to them and stuff. Uh, but that's, you know, that's part of why I love this community too is they're so supportive that you almost have to tell them when they're being overly supportive. Um, and yeah. it's like, I don't want to sell you this. It's just garbage. It's, it's literally scrap. And they're like, no, it's got part of a tray in it. I'll take it. So... Uh, but yeah, I stop stop making trays until the locks are done.
0: Uh, I just can't. I I'm one person, you know. I don't have enough time to to do both. So, do you have an estimate how many hours it takes you to make one individual alpha?
1: I don't have an exact number because I don't want to look at it. Um, <laughs> but the reality is, some of these parts take two hours. So. Um, it's going to be a mountain of work to make even 50 of them. Um, that being said, I'm prepared to do that work. Um, this is, this is, you know, it's a lot more about the passion for me than it is the money. Like I just, I want to manifest a lock in the world and say, Hey, look, there's a lock and it's different and it's interesting. And even if it's not hard, it's something,
0: you know? Um, and it's you and it's, it's yeah. an expression of your, you know, I don't know how to say it, but if it weren't for you coming up with the idea, having the will to do it, you know, it just wouldn't exist at all. So that's, that's really cool. Something you can claim completely is your little stake in the world. So yeah,
1: that'd be my, So uh, how
0: are the people, sorry,
1: I was just going to say it'll, it'll finish my, uh, it will be my epic quest for my second round of black belt.
0: How are people going to be able to pre-order the Alpha? Uh,
1: it'll just be on my website. Uh, you Go to com, and I'll put a listing up for it tonight sometime and it'll be very obvious on the site tomorrow. Uh, the way I decided to do it is that I'm going to open the gate to everybody at the same time. Uh, and I'm just going to notify people at different stages of time ahead of time. So like if, if I've known you for four years, known you for three years, you've been a steady customer, you've been very supportive. I'm going to give you a little bit more notice about what the actual time is. So you have a a better chance of snagging an early serial number because they're all going to be serialized. So I think that's the fairest way to do it. Like if you're, you know, maybe you're a new guy and you're just really interested. You still have a chance to get number one if you're sitting there waiting for it. But um, I don't imagine very many people will be doing that.
0: I think there might be a few of the core lockpickers united. If they know that what the general date is, they'll probably be sitting there. Refresh, yeah. refresh, refresh. Come on.
1: I sat down and made a table the other day of uh, time zones trying to figure out, like, is there a time that is not inconvenient for at least one major group of people? And there isn't, <laughs> like, no. there's no way around it. So this,
0: this group is so diverse, yeah. you know, we've got people all over the place so, worldwide, and people working different shifts. And
1: mm-hmm. yeah. so, yeah. If, so basically the, what I figured out is if you do it early morning, In any given time zone, it will be a midnight release and then in another time zone. That's, But you can actually fit it into one day if you choose carefully. Um, It's just, there's no winning, basically.
0: So you're going to be selling it through the the Digby lock and tool site. Mm -hmm. Um, What is your... um, I was curious about how the, the Digby lock and tool site came up. Was that in anticipation of the locks and the trays, or was that something bigger that you were working on it?
1: That was, um, that was in direct response to the trays coming to fruition. Um, so once I, once I made a tray that I felt was good, uh, a bunch of people in the Discord said, you should make them out of brass. And I said, okay, well, buy me some brass. And they did they got together, and like the next day they bought a big old bar of brass, and I was like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm making brass trays now um and it it was just fun to see them come together and, on something they like they all wanted some brass trays, so um after that happened, I was like, "This is cool, and all, but if i 'm going to be making tens, twenty, fifty of these a hundred of these, i don't want to uh." be spending all my time on the computer on usps.com filling out, um, filling out, uh, shipping labels. Right. So partly because I wanted to legitimize the business, partly because I wanted shipping to be way easier, um, where everybody just puts their own information in and it spits out a label on my end. Um, and I guess sort of, sort of just out of belief in myself that after these trades, I'm going to make something that will sell well and that I'm going to need a business framework to to be able to handle that um, and be legal about it, too. You know, like there's a there's a certain threshold that you hit on PayPal as an artist or um as a hobbyist. And once you sell so much uh, dollar amount, they report it to the IRS. So you might as well, you know, make a business. So I've, I formed an LLC just to, you know, protect me and my family in case anything goes wrong with this, you know, for whatever reason I step on some company's toes and they come after me for something. Um,
0: but that's a good idea.
1: I don't foresee that happening. Um, if I try and play the high set game, I might, uh, wind up stepping on somebody's toes. Um, not intentionally, but it may happen. They might, I, you know, I might get a cease and desist or whatever, but, uh, really what it boils down to is if you have spent any real time trying to design a lock, you'll realize that pins and wafers and discs and finger pins and sliders, they're all sort of the same thing in the end, right? Um, if you take a finger pin, for example, and you widen it out, well, now you've got a wafer. If you, you know, if you take a slider and sliders and finger pins are basically the same thing already. It's just the difference of where the nub is on it, you know? um so a lot all of these elements uh you change dimensions or axis of rotation or movement um you realize that they're all sort of the same thing so if you try to make something original you either have to find a geometry that doesn't exist or an axis of movement that hasn't been used with that sort of geometry so um, i'm up to the challenge i'm sure there's something out there that's super impractical that nobody's making because it's impractical and I'll take the time to do it because it doesn't exist yet, you know?
0: Yeah. When you're working just as a kind of a labor of love, Mm -hmm. that's different than I want to make a fortune as a lock company.
1: Yeah. I can get away with it because I can, it's my time I'm wasting, you know, nobody's going to hit me for it. so.
0: Yeah. So I was also curious how the, uh, on Digby lock and tool, how you came up with the multi pick setup? Are, do you actually have an agreement with them, or are yeah. you just having to buy them and resell them?
1: No, I'm, yeah, I'm an authorized reseller. Um, I I I got to the point where I started making trays, and uh, my hope was to turn my site into, and it still is down, you know, down the road over time, uh, was to turn that site into a place where you could go and get the best quality stuff. Uh, in and out in one shop, you know, one stop shop. And I've got everything I need for locksport. I've got tweezers. I got followers. I got a penning tray, I've got picks, I've got tensioners, a case, so on and so on. Um, but only the best stuff and no filler. And I knew that I wasn't going to be making picks anytime soon because milling them is silly. Um, that's something that you're either going to stamp or water jet or laser cut. So. Once I reached that determination and I had the trays in place, I thought, okay, well, picks is next for sure, because you need picks to do anything with picking. Who makes the best stuff? And uh, so it was sort of a a conversation. I opened a conversation with uh, Andy from Lawlock Tools, uh, with Sparrows, and with Multipick. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lay out exactly what happened in those conversations, but... MultiPick, um, I think at first wasn't really in- interested, uh, but I happen to know somebody that works with them, and I guess there was a conversation there. Maybe I don't, I don't know for sure, uh, but yeah, they agreed to let me be a an authorized dealer for the states, and um, so basically, you know, I order them in, and I've cut them down. I could be marking them up well more. You know, the, you compare my prices to, I think there's two other sites in the States that sell them. I'm, uh, I'm undercutting them by quite a bit because, again, it's not about the money for me. I'm trying to bring tools to the people. So, like, these are the, that's why I built the sets that I did. They're, they're minimalist in nature. These are the hooks that you need. These are the tension wrenches you need and nothing else. Uh, if you want a bunch of rakes and some other stuff, then you have to buy it somewhere else. Sorry.
0: Um, so and then the uh the cases here.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, the Moki cases. I I just love them. Um that was a that was a discord a Discord deal. I saw I saw them come about um wow that was over a year ago now, I think. But uh I'm gonna I'm gonna botch his name. He says it's Mokadie Um and he is a picker from Germany, and he makes these things. He he sews them all himself, uh, gets materials and, and makes them from scratch. And they are easily the best case that I've run across in my picking career. So I talked to him about uh, selling some for him through consignment just because it's easier and it's, it will make you more money if you move a bunch of product at once just for the shipping alone. Um, and there's a large market of pickers in America. So I went to him and said, hey, do you want to sell some of your cases on consignment through my store? And he said yes. And so I brought them in, and then uh, we kind of worked together once I decided that I wanted to make those minimalist kits to uh, make a smaller pouch just specifically for those. And uh, it's been a great deal. Uh, I really like working with him. He's very understanding. We both, you know, respect each other's timelines, and um, we're both one-man shows. So,
0: yeah, they're very good-looking cases. I, I've never mm-hmm. seen one in person, but I've seen your pictures, and I think I saw one on yeah somebody's YouTube channel. But
1: yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker for quality. I like things that'll last a long
0: time, and I'm they do last a long time. So, and then. You also have the remaining stock of the impressioning handles from Yeah. Yeah, it's a similar band.
1: deal. You know, rub uh, rubber band got out there and created a thing he thought would be uh useful for the Block Sport community. He was absolutely right. And um so I set up the same sort of deal. You know, like I'm not I'm not trying to make money off of his product. I'm just trying to get it in people's hands. So um I'm getting ready to put the, the same day tomorrow when Alpha launches. I'm going to be putting up uh, some penning trays from uh, Duckfax too. He's got some really nice wood ones that he makes, oh, and nice. uh, I've got a deal in the works with Mao or Mo, however you like to say it. He's
0: he's going to give me. Uh, oh, Mao! Wait, you said his name. Mama, ma papa, mama. Been waiting for an excuse to use that. <laughs> Yes. Well, since we're getting
1: silly with it, this is the perfect time to say that Bonks told me he'd give me $5 if I said lockstick. So there you go, Bonks. Uh, have you ever seen the lockstick? Yes. It's hilarious. Yes. He just drilled a hole in a in a tree branch and put a lock in it. Uh, I noticed recently that there were some, uh, he like epoxied some pins onto the side of it with a sidebar, too. I don't know what the purpose is, but it's art, you know, so.
0: Yeah, I actually mentioned it in one of my early episodes, shortly after you made a video on
1: it. Nice. Yeah, so (laughs) I'm not going to mention his name again, so we don't have to hear the sound clip, but I'm supposed to be getting a a good load of his trays, too. They're just, those are awesome trays. I've been using them for two years now. I bought a bunch of them when we started the LPU YouTube uh, for giveaways and stuff, and... Gave away a ton of them, and I've kept like three, I think, myself. Um, they're they're really good trays, and they're cheap. So,
0: yeah, they seem to be really popular. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of discussion about them on there.
1: Straight utility; they last a long time. That's that's exactly the that's right up my alley. That's what I want people to
0: have in their hands for Locksport. So, yeah. how much is he getting for those, or how much are you going to be? Um, for I'm pretty sure he sells them for like.
1: Somewhere in between twelve and fifteen dollars, like really, really affordable, very reasonable. Yeah, uh, you look at it and you think, okay, well, that's plastic or whatever. It's uh, I could just three D print it, but the reality is, you can't um, you can't easily three D print that geometry. It's got some features to it that just don't come out right. I tried. Uh, I have a resin printer, and uh, it warps, and also the track doesn't come out right. Uh, but it's also it's better plastic cuz he casts them. That's not a 3D printed thing. He he casts them out of uh, some sort of hard hard resin. So
0: That's cool. That's everybody nowadays is into the 3D print everything. Mm-hmm. It's not the best solution for everything. It's not
1: the best solution for <laughs> most things, but it will allow you to It's just easy. Yeah. I I got my uh, resin printer specifically to prototype with uh and then when I realized that things are not going to come out on dimension and fit together and work like a lock should work, that you will have to tweak the model to make it actually fit together. I was like, OK, well, I'm just going to make it out of brass until it works and then sell some. Try and recoup the all of the chips that I just wasted.
0: Yeah, so 3D printing is a is a bit of a nightmare. I don't know if you ever saw it, but. So that's the the lockie award that I was doing nice. last year which I have to change cuz I'm I'm pretty sure that would get me in trouble ah, legally. Yeah. Um but it took me months to get these to print right on my cheap 3D printer.
1: I can imagine. That's a lot of tweaking. Uh, and
0: each one I ended up with such fine printing and going so slow to get it to come out like that. That's that's a six-hour print <laughs> set it up go to work and come back and hope it didn't spiral out of control somewhere yeah. along the way
1: yeah, i but. did the, i did that last night with wafers i ran out of time i was like man i got to go to my day job but I, I work night shift so uh i was about halfway through a set of wafers and i was like mm, i'm pretty sure this is safe and i just left so that's the cool thing about c n c is once it's once it's running and you're confident that nothing's gonna break, you can just let it go so once you've
0: got all the paths down and everything mm-hmm. yeah I've never done c n c how uh how tricky is it to to figure out tool paths and all that stuff um it's not. We do a lot of it where I work, but I'm not in that department, so I've never seen.
1: Yeah, so the only thing that I can speak to is um, working with Fusion 360, right? So um, I think most professionals are using SolidWorks or some other uh, proprietary stuff, most of them that I know of, at least. I know personally don't use Fusion at work, but um, Fusion does a great job of helping you With toolpaths, it figures out the paths for you. But what you have to know is everything else. So if you feed it incorrect information, your toolpath will be wrong and you will break tools and you will ruin parts. Um, And that's exactly, that's like the essence of machining, right? If you know exactly what to tell the machine, it will do it right every time. But if you miss even one thing out of the hundreds, that will ruin it. So um, it's you have to be very detail oriented. You have to be willing to sit there and use the calculator. Um, and I am a very impatient person sometimes. So I will jump on there. I'll model something and I'll say, "Fusion, figure it out for me." And it <laughs> that it doesn't work like that, right? Um, it'll get you close sometimes. Uh, and then you gotta, you know, start tweaking it and make sure that you're not going to break cutters. And, um, I sort of from the beginning just decided to go with carbide tooling, um, because it's, uh, it's the best, right? So it's, it's the best cutters that you can get for m- most use cases. And since I'm only thus far been milling aluminum and brass, they should theoretically last forever. Um, that being said, I can tell you from experience, if you use them incorrectly, they do not last forever. Uh, I use them incorrectly often and they break and, um, and whatnot. So, um, so how hard is it? I wouldn't say that it's hard to learn machining. I would say that it's going to take you a long time. Um, I have, uh, I have eaten entire subjects before, entire hobbies. I like research. It's fun for me. Um, machining is not something you can do that with. It's, it's going to take you months, uh, to have a functional understanding and it's going to take you years to actually master it. Um, I've got a great deal of respect for people that are actually machinists. I, I, I wouldn't deign to call myself one yet because, uh, I still make a lot of silly mistakes. Um, you have to think about everything you can't like. It's such a. It seems so simple from the outside, right? Like you're telling a tool, you're in a coordinate system. You're x-axis, y-axis, z-axis. So you're going. This tool is going to move from this point in space to this point in space. It's just a. It's just a graph, right? No, um, there's there's feeds, there's speeds, there's tool geometry, there's number of flutes, there's heights, there's uh, cutter versus material there's do you blast it with air do you flood it with coolant um there's so much to understand about it and i'm still sort of at the surface level i'm able to make things that i want to out of brass Uh, but that being said brass is the easiest thing to machine in the world it is it's literally called free machining brass um the the grade that i'm using it's 360 um, so to anybody out there that wants a challenge, that's, <laughs> it's a, it's a challenge worth taking on. It'll really, really Im- improve your ability to, um, think through everything before you do, uh, because carbide tools ain't cheap. So you break one, you're like, well, there goes 30 bucks. Every time you make a mistake, there goes 30 bucks, 50 bucks, depending on the size.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Uh, that being said, it's a whole lot of fun too. Like you, you explore it and you find, uh, reasons to try out new tool paths, new tools. Uh, it's still a regular occurrence for me where I'm like, man, I wonder if I can even make that geometry. And I start sort of looking around and I realize that there's a tool out there that I didn't know existed. Um, like this lock was struggling pretty hard. It was, it was actually going to be a bunch of pieces sort of bolted together, screwed together. Um, and then, when I discovered that they make larger size woodruff cutters, which are basically like a circular saw at a ninety degree angle, uh, it changed everything. I I was able to combine seven parts into one. Oh wow! Just from that, just from knowing that that tool existed. So, um, yeah, it's really fun. And I think over time, you'll see um, not only the quality of my products improving, but the uh, the complexity too. Like right now, this is this one is very dimensional. It's, it's very much about X, X, Y, and Z axis uh, because that's how a mill likes to work. So I chose geometries as I was going that are, are mill friendly. Uh, but down the road, I do want to make, you know, standard mortise cylinders with high security components in them. So I'm going to have to get better first, and then I'm going to have to get better machinery eventually.
0: So your particular mill, is it just like, can it do good round products or is it more? It's capable, flat? but it's
1: not what it's designed for, right? So if you want round things, a lathe is where you need to be. A lathe. Um, that being said, you can use a boring bar for inner and outer dimensions. You can, uh, well, for inner dimensions, you would just drill a hole and ream it. Because reamers are real good at producing a, a consistent uh, inner diameter hole, uh, but you can use a boring bar sort of incorrectly in a mill and spin it on the outside of a piece and and wind up with a round piece. Um, and then your third and not as good option is that you can interpolate you can interpolate things to be round. So you can take a tool and helix it down around the outside uh, outside diameter, and it will wind up pretty close to round but in reality what it is is thousands of facets that's thousands of flat cuts angled cuts um so then it's really a question of how round does it need to be because when you get real close to round it rotates just fine um that being said if you want uh high security level tolerances thousands of flat faces doesn't cut it so um that's definitely a barrier that I have to find my way around. Um and one of Yeah, wh- there's
0: mm-hmm. a lot of intricate little round parts. And parts that are round on part and not on another part in some of these really high security locks. That's a lot of hmm. Yeah. That's true. I don't even want to think about what you'd have to go through to well make each one of those. So
1: and it's sort of uh it sort of works both ways, right? So they make them all all these rounded parts because they have the machines to make them rounded. Right. But because I don't, it actually plays in my favor because if I want to make a slider, um, it's not going to be perfectly round. It might be semi round with a flat on it. I might start with bar stock and then flatten one edge, or I might make a, uh, a square with rounded corners because mills do that. Great. Um, and then I automatically, and bypassing all of the patent infringement stuff because I've made a totally new thing at that point. It's a different geometry. It might provo- it might, you know, perform the same function, but it's going to have to do it differently because it's a different geometry. So that's a good point. If I step into, uh, doing padlocks or doing door hardware or whatever, I can really make that shape, whatever I want. It just needs to be placeable into the standard. So Uh, instead of making round mortise cylinders, I could make square ones with rounded corners because the mill does that really well. And as long as it fits into that same space and interfaces correctly, it doesn't matter. So there's a lot of, a lot of ideas that I've been playing around with. And I'm hoping that, you know, people will, uh, will respond to the, to this lock and, uh, respond to the idea that I'm well open to ideas. Like I'm always listening. I constantly try and poke people in the Discord and say, you know, they say, "Well, I'm bored or um, I don't know what to model next or whatever." And I'll say, "Design a lock." Like, that's a it's a real challenge. I'm not joking. I'm not being sarcastic. Design a lock. It's really fun. It's also really hard, and if you make something cool, then maybe we can work together. So
0: Cool. Yeah. Um Yeah, very You know, I've come up with some high-level ideas and then just go not, couldn't even begin to make it next. <laughs> well, that's... You know, because it's fun. It's a fun thought experiment. Yeah. But I don't have the time or anything to to actually carry anything out. So I just kind of, I draw them up on, crudely on paper and stick them on a post-it on my wall. Sure. But, yeah.
1: I'd love to see your post-it wall sometimes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's some really strange stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fun... It's I think it's something that everybody starts to do when they really get into lock picking, is trying to think of ways to prevent what you're currently exploiting. Sure. Well, if I did this, maybe, you know, yeah, that's a, that's a
1: very common theme. You see, uh, people come in and they get to the green belt stage and like, all right, I got to make a challenge lock, but I'm not just going to make a challenge lock. I'm going to make the nastiest, dirtiest, most evil challenge lock of all time. The number of times I've seen that happen is, uh, in the thousands now. Uh, and I enjoy it every time because I've, I've walked down that exact same path, you know, is I want to do this. Here's YouTube videos. Here's the subreddit. Now the Discord. Now Challenge Locks. Now High Security. Uh, and then a lot of people leave at that point or they'll, uh, they'll hang out and pick like a million black belt locks, like A-Monitor Darkly or uh, CJ yeah. or Captain Hook or Geo, you know, like these, these guys that just murder High Security like it's nothing. Um, and I've got a lot of respect for them, but I'm not them. I'm not that talented with picking. So once I got there, you know, I've, I've gone back and picked a couple more black belt locks, but, um, that's not what I want to do anymore. I want to make them. And that's, that's the fun for me is it's like, it's taking the belt system and challenge locks and putting them together and saying. I can make a bunch of the same lock so that you can all a compete with it, b tell me how to make it better, and c have fun doing it. Um, so I hope that it works. You know, it is what it is. So I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna be battling tolerances all through this run because it's not a quarter million dollar machine. It's it's less, uh, but it's fairly capable. It gets it gets very close uh, to the standard I would need to do high security. So I'm hopefully going to make enough locks, uh, enough locks and enough lock models that where the tolerances don't need to be sub thousandth of an inch uh, that I can then eventually afford one of those uh, more expensive VMCs, vertical milling machines, uh, vertical milling centers and, and start putting out true high security out of, you know, stainless and uh, at least steel can start making hardened padlocks, and um, but that's you know that's years down the road. I've I'm I'm still in my I'm still under contract with the Navy for foreseeably the next seven years. So um, I'm going to be doing this as often as I can on the side um, with all the other things I have going on in my life. I'll be doing it as often as I can, and slowly building and trying to create a repertoire of, uh, of models. And then, uh, when I'm free, free from the, uh, from the Navy, that's when you'll see me really take off. Hopefully I'll have, uh, some better tricks, some better tools and a lot more knowledge by then. So,
0: Cool. Yeah. So how can people find you? Why don't you give them a, uh,
1: I'm super easy to find if you're in the discord, uh, discord server that is linked to from the subreddit. I am no longer on Reddit. Um, and I don't participate in Twitter. I, I am on Facebook, but I'm only in one Locksport group and a Locksmith group. But yeah, the easiest way to find me is to just jump in the Lockpickers United Discord. Uh, I'm happy to take direct direct messages. Uh, if you want to email me about something that's serious, like, you know, if you have some sort of a business idea, uh, you can hit me at uh, timothy.digby
0: Digby at digbylockandtool.com. dot uh, com, and and that's your your store, right? digbylockandtool.com? dot com. Yep, that so is. They they can find your locks and your other products there. Mm-hmm. Yep. This
1: at this Good. stage, it's really just going to be my locks for a while, and then uh, other people's products that I'm sort of forwarding on to the community. Let's try and get them out. Do through.
0: you? Do you anticipate going back to making some trades at some point or is that part?
1: Yeah, I'm not done with that. Um, I really, I enjoy that. And I think that uh, the more I learn, the more innovation is allowed there. Um, I chose them because I thought that they would be simple. I was wrong. Um, They are a simple thing to machine. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't know how to do anything. but then I made them double-sided, and that was fun. And I've been toying around with lots of different ideas about, you know, they could be stackable, they could have lids. There's, there's all sorts of things that we could do with it. But um, I like the, the nature of having something uh, made out of shiny brass and being serialized. So I might just go right back to that same pattern and say, okay, here's number whatever through whatever. Sort of do Good it in news. between lock runs.
0: Good news. I've been kind of, when I can uh, afford to, I've been looking at buying one because I really like the brass ones. They're really pretty. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate that. (laughs) That's, it's one of those things. Do I really need it? No, no. It just looks so good.
1: (laughs) Nobody needs it, but it's a pound of brass and it's so satisfying. It's like every other pinning tray I've had. You like you're on. You got your elbows up there, right? And you bump it, and it just like everything shakes around. If you
0: bump one of those, nothing happens. You <laughs> accidentally hit the edge of it, and it flips up and yeah. tosses your pins across the table. Yeah.
1: It, yeah, it barely even moves. It just looks at you like,
0: "Hey, what are you doing?" So. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably all the questions I had for you. Is there anything else that you wanted to discuss while we were on here? Open stage. Um.
1: No, I think I'm good. I I do. I do want to encourage anybody that's listening one more time. uh, If you know how to do video editing, the the Lockpickers United YouTube channel could really use some help. Um, It's just one guy holding it down, and uh, it's unfair. You know, it's we all are kind of sh- like trying to find videos to shovel to him and then he has to deal with it all. Um, so if you know, if you have any audio video editing experience, it's not super complicated. Usually we're just putting uh, like an intro and outro on it and balancing sound. Uh, if you know how to do that, please hit us up in the discord and uh, we'll make you up you contributor and you can help op amp out and that way we can get, a more regular schedule up. You know, YouTube hates it when you only put up a video every couple of weeks or every month or so. They really like it if you're putting out multiple videos a week. And with the number of pickers that we have in the Discord, we could make a video a week, two videos a week pretty easily. There's people creating content all the time. Um, we just don't have enough um, help for Opamp with the, the editing heavy lifting. So that's the last last sort of thing I'd like to plug just okay. feel bad for the guy. Yeah. He's doing all that work and no one
0: knows. So. Yeah, it definitely shouldn't be all on one person. I noticed that, that things tend to get that way sometimes. One person steps up and everybody else goes, oh, it's handled.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was some, I listen, re-listened to your uh, chat with Tumblr last night, and it's that, that's exactly how it goes with the mod team, too. We bring in some new guys, and then everybody else is just like, okay, finally. I want to take a break now. You nailed it right on the head. That that's how it happens. New mods come in, they do the heavy lifting. Then they become old mods. Then new mods come in and do the heavy
0: lifting, and so on and so on. Uh, yeah, it's, mostly I just kind of play around in there. It's kind of human nature. Yeah, to be honest, it's but,
1: fun to be silly when you're machining all day.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I really appreciate your time, and yeah. uh, I look forward to to seeing the locks hit hit the other pickers and seeing what they what they work like and how long it takes somebody to, to crack <laughs> the first one. Yeah, I
1: just hope it's not the first day. But I <laughs> I appreciate you having me on and giving me the chance to to talk to your listeners.
0: It's fun. Yeah, pleasure's all on this side. I don't think I've ever actually talked to you before before, you know, you first asked to come on.
1: So I'm in voice chat all the time, so Come hang out sometime. I rarely am. Yeah. It's um. it's a dangerous game.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this conversation with Diggs. I really enjoyed it and I hope you did too. Remember the show is only possible because of the support and information provided by you, the community. So if you value this podcast, please help return a little bit of that value by sending in your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that's locksport related that you think It would be good for the rest of the community to know. You can send all that to either podcast at thelocksportscast.com or just go to thelocksportscast.com slash support. Don't forget to share the podcast with your lockpicking friends, either online or in person. You can leave a comment, a review, a thumbs up. If you are watching this on a platform that happens to allow that. You can subscribe or donate on Patreon or PayPal. Patrons do get a private RSS feed for their podcast player that gives them early access to the audio version. If you support the show with a donation or information I use in the show, I will give you a producer credit in the show notes. Thank you so much for all of your support, and thank you again, Diggs, for coming on and sharing your information with us.